Namaste. Satnam. What's up, bitches? Hello. Welcome back to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. That's me. Hello. Welcome to season three. Are y'all in for a treat? Um, the first couple of episodes are going to be some lost archives, aka some files that I had lost <laughs> um, for previous interviews I had done. Today, or this episode, I guess, is going to be with Bob Morrissey. A couple of things might be outdated. I might no longer hold certain beliefs that I expressed in this podcast. Most of them I probably do. Certain things I might have uh, changed my opinion on, like my opinion on prayer. Uh, Bob and I talk about all kinds of things, um, dreams, prayer, gayness. Bob is gay, so... Before I get to that, I'm checking in with y'all. A lot has been going on since I last recorded. I can't even, I think it was during the summer, probably July maybe is when my last episode came out, maybe even before then. So what has been going on? Okay, so I was in grad school. I said was. I am no longer in grad school. I made it about six weeks though, so that's basically a degree. I basically have my master's degree. So I had gotten accepted into Rice University into their master's program in religious studies and I was really excited. I firmly believed that it was the path for me to go on and once I started the program it seemed like maybe that wasn't the case. I had gotten so stressed out doing just the amount of schoolwork on top of things that kept piling up, sort of um, relationship things, financial issues, family issues, things kind of kept just stacking on top of each other that was making it basically impossible for me to study. I was really trying, though. I mean, I had my Adderall, like, I had doubled up on Adderall. Um, <laughs> that's all you need to study, right? Um, but just the amount of stress that I was under was so much that I was, it was like physiologically coming out. Like I was like picking at my nails and like almost like, almost like pulling out my hair and couldn't fully concentrate on the conversations that I was having in real life because I was just existing in this state of tension and stress and pressure. And the, the part about it that was so ironic was that, you know, here I am studying religion and all of these mystical aspects of religion and different people's takes on God. And in the process, I had lost my own access to God and lost my own experiences with the mystical. And that I think that was my biggest insight whenever I was really wrestling with the decision if I should quit or not, that was like, I can read all of these texts on my own. I can do my own writing in a way that isn't causing me stress and isn't hurting my body and my mind and my spiritual path. And I think a lot of times that our unconscious obviously knows things that we aren't consciously aware of, but the unconscious tries to reveal these things to us through our body at times and that 
if we maybe get sick or we start to take on some sort of neurotic behavior, you know, picking your nails or some people bite their nails, some people literally pull their hair out, some people chain smoke. I was also chain smoking. Good news, um, by the way, since last season, I have stopped smoking, not completely, occasionally when I'm out at a bar. Maybe there's a little cocaine on the table. I will partake in a cigarette. However, I have switched over to vaping. This podcast is brought to you by Alto. It's cheaper than a jewel. (laughs) So, and that has actually helped a lot with me not smoking is this vape. Call me a douche. Call me um, a vape queen. Call me a bitch. Call me your mom. Um, Call me by my name. Call me whatever you want me to call me. (laughs) Just don't call me a chain smoker. (laughs) No, you can call me that too because I probably do still chain smoke. Anyway, what I'm saying is that whenever you're under a lot of psychological stress, it comes out in other ways because if you don't deal with it, it's going to manifest in some sort of behavior that's going to end up taking you over and you almost no longer become an agent in your own life because you're not dealing with the things that are underlying the sort of behavior that is manifesting. And I mean, so if you're in your own life and you see like you have certain behaviors or things that are getting in the way or presenting themselves to you um, as indications that perhaps you have disconnected from yourself or disconnected from God, then maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to reevaluate what the source of your neuroses is or sources are. (laughs) I'm a tutor. I don't know if I've mentioned that in previous podcasts. I do tutor English. I do find find that my talking has gotten much gooder. So that's a bad joke, but... um, all right, that's it. No. Uh, so yeah, so I have since dropping out of school, since quitting, since losing, <laughs> I am much happier. I'm much more present and connected to myself. And I'm actually forever grateful for the brief time that I did have in grad school because I did start to learn new things about myself and a new interpretation of God that was is not unlike my previous notion, but it's something, I guess, maybe that's a little bit more complex. I will talk about that more as the season goes on. I won't go into it now because I'm going to save it, <laughs> but... Basically, this next season is going to be, I'm going to be focusing a lot on the things that I did take away from grad school, reading the Gnostic texts, um, some esoteric practices. I've gotten into aliens. I'm going to talk about aliens. Oh my God. And other dimensions. I'm going to talk about Bigfoot um, because why not? (laughs) It's weird. I have a joke that's like, well, I did. I smoked weed for 10 years and I just now got into aliens. I think what it was is that I was studying under 
Jeff Kripal at Rice. And so I started to see maybe aliens are something more than just like sci-fi and maybe it fits in within a religious framework. Not necessarily that you worship the aliens as gods or not necessarily that aliens are angels, but that if they're from another dimension, that coincides with a lot of religious beliefs that there is something else out there. And even if you're not even a religious person, you still know that like scientifically, right? That there are more dimensions than the ones that we see. So that alone should give you pause for inquiry, 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 inquiry. You don't, don't think about the words that you're going to say. You just say them like rural. That was actually really good. Um, rural, a rural inquiry. <laughs> okay. I'm laughing at my own jokes. Um, so, okay. So I have gotten into aliens. I have stopped smoking mostly. I have drinking is not holding me captive like it was. Um, in the previous season, I've managed to cut back significantly. It's a lot. I have a much more normal and healthy relationship with alcohol. Normal, I don't know. But healthy, yes. So, basically, it's just like, even, you know, in terms of drinking or smoking or taking Adderall or doing Coke, I'm not as dogmatic, obviously, about those things as, you know, a lot of spiritual people are. I think that these things can get in the way of a spiritual path and they become problematic when they do get in the way of your spiritual path. And particularly when they get in the way of other people's spiritual paths, like if you're an alcoholic or something, you know, if you're hurting people, if you're hurting yourself, if it's keeping you from living your best life, <laughs> oh God, I just irritated myself, but <laughs> then maybe it's time to seek help or to make some changes in your life. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> Just take small steps. You'd be surprised. I'm constantly surprised by how small steps lead to great improvements. It's like not thinking about, oh, well, what am I going to do a week from now? Like, and in just in general, not even in terms of like your own relationship with substances, but just in your own life and like wanting to progress, progress in your own way. Like it takes time and there's no point in looking to the future too far ahead because you can't do anything about that. The future isn't real. It's an, it's imaginary. The only thing that's real obviously is right now. So what can you do right now? If all you can do right now is take a deep breath and let it go, you're already on your way to progress. Furthermore, if you maintain the belief that not only does taking a deep breath help, but you believe that taking a deep breath helps. 
that ups your superpowers right there. That's two things. Taking a deep breath and the belief that taking a deep breath helps is already a step in the right direction. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's significant. And if you can do even more, if you can take five deep breaths, if you can meditate for four minutes, if you can make a smoothie with kale (laughs) instead of having a donut for breakfast, you're already taking a step in the right direction. And all of these small steps add up. And suddenly you end up somewhere that you never even realized that you were going. There's other things that you can do to improve your life. Like being kind to people. Consciously being aware and empathetic of other people's feelings. Stretching (laughs) when you get out of bed. Taking just a split second in the morning before you reach for your phone and saying, thank you, help, thank you. (laughs) To whom, I don't know. But it seems to hold power. At least for me. Whatever you believe holds power, holds power because you believe it. So try maybe believing some things that are good and positive and good and positive and great and nice and yes and all good things. (laughs) Try it. I don't know. Let me know. Actually, I would love to hear from some of you. Not all of you. Obviously, I'd love to hear from all of you, but... What type of small steps are you taking in your life to improve your life? Deep breath, smoothie, maybe one less cigarette. Maybe you wait just like 30 seconds to grab that cigarette that you want to grab now. Just wait 30 seconds. Maybe you let someone over in front of you in your car. car. Maybe you um, have a glass of water between your drinks on $2 well night. Maybe you smile. (laughs) There's so many things that you can do. If you want more suggestions, I'm happy to give them to you. But there's just a few right there. So, yeah. So, I have a couple of hidden archives, lost archives for this season. I have dropped out of grad school. I am, I believe in aliens. I believe in Bigfoot. I don't I don't know about the Bigfoot. Bigfoot doesn't seem as paranormal. I think people throw it into have been throwing it into the paranormal category because science doesn't have a physical body. So but I think Bigfoot is different than aliens. So um I have stopped smoking mostly. Um there are things that you can do in your life to improve your life, small things. Still doing comedy. I'm doing comedy here in Houston now. I don't know what the future holds. I have a few ideas though, but I'm keeping them to myself until they, until I take more steps. You will obviously be filled in um, as these things happen. I am writing a lot. I have a few um, pretty big plans actually that I'm working towards, but baby steps. I've also gotten into 
some more esoteric practices. Chaos magic is a pretty popular term and practice right now, and I've been reading a lot. I haven't been really doing too many ceremonies and rituals because I, I want to make sure I do it right. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to invite some wacky spirits into my house, um, which I've done before, and that was my mistake. So now I'm just accumulating information before I begin casting spells and doing all kinds of weird rituals. But you all will be um, kept in the loop about that. I have had some weird experiences lately. There's a new study that shows that if you meditate, people who meditate for even two weeks are 75 to 90% more likely to see synchronicities in their life. Synchronicities are like these weird coincidences that seem so strange, too strange to be a coincidence. Like, you know, maybe you have a dream about a red rose and then you're walking to your car and you see a red rose on the ground. And then when you're driving to work, you see a billboard that has a red rose on it. And then you get to work and someone is talking about how the bachelor gave the rose to so-and-so. A synchronicity is something like that, where a certain image or theme kind of keeps popping up into your life and you're like, what does that mean? It all has different meanings. So if you experience these things in your life, like I can't, I could tell you possibly what they mean, but they could mean nothing more than just that they happened and that it's some sort of cosmic reminder of some greater force that's at play that presumably has something to do with the mind. Mysterious. I'm leaving a lot of things kind of open right now with this episode because it's the first episode of this season and I have a lot to say. So I will make sure you tune in. Um, With that, we're going to go ahead and jump into this interview I did earlier this year, sometime in the summer, with Bob Morrissey. He's a a Houston comic. I've known him for a few years. He's always been such a nice friend and ally to me. He um, was a veteran in the Army, so make sure you thank him for his service whenever you see him. He does a show every other Monday at the secret group called Gay Shame Parade, so make sure you check that out. So with that, welcome Bob Morrissey. Nobody likes my stories about my cat. <laughs> Say that into the microphone. <laughs> Nobody likes my stories about my cat. <laughs> that is uh, Bob Morrissey um, mm. coming at you right now um, on A Thousand Serious Moves. Welcome, yes, Bob. Yes, welcome. My cat was so cute this morning. <laughs> okay, let's hear it's, it. Okay, she woke up, just curled. She was all tucked in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when I woke up, she, uh, it, it, she was right there. That's the story. Wow, you're right. Nobody <laughs> does care. That's crazy how right you were about that. Uh, <laughs> no, that's cute. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, I guess, when people tell you stories about their kids, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you care a little yeah. bit. 
you know, but if it's not, but you should have seen her. She was very cute. <laughs> I'm she sure. Was very cute. Oh my God. You should have seen Toops this morning. Oh he was God. like laying on the bed and he was like, it uh, was so I'm cute. hungry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he was crying, you had to go out. Oh, you yeah. had to have been there. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So welcome, Bob. Bob, uh, we're, would you say we're good friends? Yeah, we've known each other for, what, five years or something? A minute, yeah. yeah. We just recently, now that I've moved back, we actually yeah. see each other more often. Yeah, we, we, we both participate at a uh, crazy gay bar open mic. Uh-huh, that that's right, barcode. We're, we're the mainstays of it. I, I don't know. We're the featured performers a lot. I don't... Yeah. It's... That's maybe one of the least favorite. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I like it, but it's it's just I'm I'm getting worn down by. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to this, don't come. Don't, yeah, don't on go thir- Thursdays <laughs> to Barcode in Montreal no, at 10 p.m. No, come no, actually. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, make it better. Like a good audience makes it better. Yes, and but it's a gay bar. Um, so especially gays are welcome. But even if you're not, even if you, you know what? If you don't come, that means you hate gay people. Yeah. So you have to. Come. Yeah, but I slept with a couple dudes from that gay bar, so now it's a little awkward for me to be there, because I, I see them sometimes. It's and not Kobe, is it? No, okay. no, I, I have not slept with Kobe, although he did take off his cock ring in front of me. Yes. And then I tried I on Kobe. a cock ring, because I, I was like, I wonder what it's like to have a cock I bought a $5 cock ring, and then I, I spent like 10 minutes. I couldn't get it off, and I was scared. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. You to cut your dick off. Well, like. I was worried I was going <laughs> to... It felt... Really weird to hit like all the. Did it cut off your circulation? Uh, yeah, I think it, it was too small. I think I, I got like the uh, professional cock ring or something. Uh-huh. Or, uh huh. Or maybe it was like a too cheap, too small, too much. Like it was, it was for the the real. Ki- I got bought it at Ripcord. Uh huh. Do you want to know? Do you know what Ripcord? How they got the name for that that other gay bar? Mm mm. Ripcord. It's like when you're fucking some dude mm-hmm. and the condom slips off and you don't know it and then you oh. and then you come in him and then Oops. then after the fucking's over you realize like you still got the rip cord in your ass <laughs> and then, then you pull out the rip cord that's the condom that's, oh okay that's like full of like either full of i don't know it's yeah i've had that yeah. like whenever so it's the unsafe sex themed bar that's what's up. That sounds extremely <laughs> irresponsible. Yeah, and then they're like, "We got, we got these sex toys in it. It's a leather bar, and I think I Hell bought, yeah. I think I bought like the Punisher cock ring, or something." <laughs> <laughs> so if you get an a S- scary experience, if you get an STD there, yeah. can you sue the bar and be like, they were promoting a unsafe lifestyle? No, nah, they've been around I guess since the seventies. So <laughs> I don't think I think they've probably. A lot of people have had STDs since then. Yeah. Okay. So, so they they, didn't. they'd be out of business by now. <laughs> um. Um, yeah. So barcode is fun. Um, yeah. Most of the time, I have. Sometimes people are a- asking me for coke there, and I'm yeah. like, "How do you, I? I would think I should come here to get coke. Why uh, are you coming to the straight girl to get coke? Well, because like, I th- I noticed that. Uh, yeah, I listened to your podcast and. You're much more serious and much more, um, you know, intellectual, and you have you have a real, uh, you have grounded idea of the world that you don't present a lot of times when you're doing jokes about cocaine at yeah. barcode. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like kind of a dumb slut yeah. when you're doing your bar- no, no, not to be no, no offense, no offense. I, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah, intellectual doesn't go over very well um, yeah. most of the time. But well, they expect <laughs> you to be a dumb slut 
Mm-hmm. Who, that's uh, true. Uh, at barcode. Cause and I do like to do cocaine, so yeah. it's not totally inaccurate. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I've tried to do some sort of like, and even my religious jokes, like they don't hit as hard as my other jokes do. Like my yeah, jokes yeah. about like, you know, Buddhism and Christianity and all of that. Like the, those are a little bit too intellectual for people yeah. who most people don't really give a shit about like religious. Yeah. Shit. I don't want to hear about your sadness either. I'm like, Oh God, now I, didn't, I have to like write an, all my material over. Cause uh-huh. I, I think I, that is probably my, uh, my cliche that I indulge is I go up and I, Be I'm sad. like, boo. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. but uh, I'm bummed. I, I try to, like, I've been trying to cut back on that. I used to do it a lot more, and then I became happy. And oh, so I, like... must be nice. Yeah, it was, it was when I first left New York, because when I was, like, ready to leave New York for the first time, I was so depressed, and I was like, fuck this city, fuck all these people, fuck everybody. Like, I just carried around a lot of negativity with me, mm. and... When I left, I became happy. And then when I came back, and then I saw a lot of comics being like, are you guys sort suicidal? And then the audience is like, no, we're not. Like, it makes yeah. you realize that most normal people might get a little sad, but aren't, don't really totally identify with like. Or they don't want to, or they didn't come there for that. But yeah. some of my favorite comedians, like Eddie Pepitone, all he is is just a raging, you know. Yeah, there's ways to do he's it. He's so angry about the crazy state of affairs that our world is in and like climate change mm-hmm. and uh, you know, economic inequality and all this unfairness of our tyrannical dictator leaders right now and it's like hey what 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 good are you if you're not up there screaming but then like if you're not screaming at people yeah if you're not up there screaming and raging against like the absurdity of what we put up with i i feel like sometimes i just want to be that 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 powerhouse comedian who Mm -hmm. really makes everybody laugh but think and you know yeah i mean that's the that's the ideal for sure like you know i mean i like george carlin you know i wouldn't say he's necessarily like completely negative or depressive he does it god he's so negative he but he he does it he does it right in a way that's like it makes you laugh like you're not just like it's not just pure depression it's like coming a lot of those later specials are just pure hate that he is. Was, he was just like. That I is hate true. Everyone well, I see. He's just getting old. I want them all to die. Yeah. Look at all you fat pigs. Yeah, that I don't know. I don't Walmart know. stores. And I mean, it, there's validity there, but I, yeah, you know, I don't find that particularly. Yeah, funny. but I don't. That I don't. I don't really make people laugh by calling them fat pieces of shit. Yeah, that's, that's not really a joke. Like that's <laughs> like where's the punchline? It's just like. Yeah. I'm just speaking truth, okay? I'm yeah. here. I do comedy to speak my truth, okay? It's not about making people laugh. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. Um, so, you're tra- are you trying to be less depressing, like when you're on stage? Is that what um, you're saying? I'm trying to have more punchlines. That uh, helps. That's a to, joke, yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> trying to you, you go up with a plan every time. And like you, I was I went through a, a sober month. And then I slipped Mm -hmm. because I started seeing this new dude who was just stoned all the time. And I was like, I miss being stoned all the time. And then I started getting stoned all the time again. Yeah. And and then... Are you high right now? No. But yesterday I was, you know... I went up at one place with Justin Massengale and I was a little high and I did pretty well at the... Which one was that? At the... uh, Big Top Charlie's. You should do that. It's fun. What is that one? It's uh, on Tuesday nights. It's like... 
in front of uh, just a few people. It's, there's, they, oh, yeah. it's like you rehearse your stand-up in front of 15 people who are all doing improv. And so they have like two stand-ups and then two improv groups. And maybe there's like five or six people who aren't at all involved. What time involved is that one? It's at seven. But Justin Massengale books it. Okay. And uh, But we, we smoked a little weed before that. And I was coming off of a crazy night where I, you know. Oh, yeah. You did a shit ton of coke. And uh, <laughs> well, Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Well, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, like, like uh, every time I go to Guava Lamp on Mondays, mm-hmm. they have these $2 well vodkas Write that, that down I drink too. like one or two of them and I'm blackout drunk. I don't know what they, maybe I, they just maybe somebody heavy. likes me. Maybe somebody thinks I'm hot. But I did hey. I did black out on stage a couple of weeks ago and not remember my set and people said I was all right. <laughs> I that was a sk- but so I was I was staggering drunk on Monday and then um, some girl demanded that I do cocaine. I I said no. Demanded. I said no. I didn't want any. But then um, but then she just cut all the lines out and then. Hey. And nobody was doing the cocaine. I was like, it's it just sitting there. And Next time, call me, Bob. I will help you with that situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will ha- help just, take care of it yeah. for you. God, I'm afraid. I guess. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid to put it out there in the world that I've done drugs, but like anybody. You're a. I think everybody knows. You are in Iraq. You're a I can vet. Do you drugs obviously sometimes. have done drugs. Like, okay. I, f- I, I mean, PTSD, <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, and then also let's transition to this. So you were raised by a Catholic priest. That's yeah, that's abrupt. I, um, <laughs> oh, hey, it's related <laughs> to using drugs for sure. So that's a great transition. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I gotta explain. I'm the youngest of seven kids. I, I, I didn't know that. I have three brothers and three sisters. They're all older than me, and um, my dad died when I was six months old from a brain tumor. Dang. And uh, that was undiagnosed until after I was conceived. I always thought it was weird that my mom would just go through with having another kid Knowing while my dad was dying die. when there's like six more on top of me. But she was Catholic, right? Yeah, but um, still weird. Still. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like when he had started uh, consulting a family therapist through Catholic charities before he died because he was going nuts he was like the last year or two before he died he was like doing just crazy stuff all the time like he he when nobody was home he chopped down all the stairs in the house with an axe what yeah uh, he became like the dad from the shining because his brain was yeah yeah and uh and chopped down the stairs yeah he like hacked up the stairs with an axe and uh and, and that was yeah that was one of the first signs that he had to be hospitalized and mm-hmm. checked out. but um and uh so that was that was another and then he tried to force my 10 year old brother to shove a fork in an electrical outlet oh no don't uh, do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know what that would be like to have your dad screaming at you to shove sounds pretty cutler into it. yeah yeah and uh so, you know, he was going crazy and then uh we started through Catholic charities of uh seeing a, a psychotherapist who was uh a like psychotherapist. A, yeah, well I'm he's a, yeah. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy who is a he was a professor of psychology and a practicing uh psychotherapist through Loyola University Seminary 
mm-hmm. in in Chicago, where I'm from. And oh. um, I thought Loyola was in New Orleans. Well, yeah, there's a Loyola University in L.A., Chicago, oh. and New Orleans. Look at that! I just learned something. Uh, I went to Loyola Academy in Chicago, the the high school. Same high school where Bill Murray went to school. Hell yeah, you're but in good company. Yeah. And Chris O'Donnell too from Oh shit. Yeah, Look little Batman. You. Or little Robin. Yeah. yeah. From the yeah, Batman yeah. and Robin. But um anyway, yeah, my, my my dad died and he was our uh family therapist, uh the 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 father from Loyola University Seminary. And uh and then he uh like took a you know he he started like coming over like four or five times a week after my dad died and like took an interest in helping my mom raise all seven of the kids mm-hmm. and helping her on her way. She became a, um, a nurse. She became a licensed practical nurse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, so like he, he said he was going to leave the priesthood for her, but he never did. And after like five years of dating, they uh they decided like he decided he wanted to stay a so priest. So they had to keep it. On yeah, the it DL. had to be secret. And then uh, I think he was like punished by the church because like so she used to get hate out. mail all the time from people who like objected to uh, her relationship with. So Bob. people and knew. I think the authorities in the ch- like I think it was a. Uh, yeah. Like, why are you going over there so often? Like, yeah, yeah, because you're not allowed to when you're you're not allowed to have a yeah yeah. But I don't know. But I think he had relationships with my mom and other women and other, other families, too, probably, and yeah. that's why he didn't. Which is uh, is he so still around? Like, no, nah, he died. He died. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was he was kind of a I don't know. When I when I think of him, like I think I'm an atheist because of him, uh-huh. because the way that he uh, would explain like how you know these these rules of the church were you know they were only created in the what was it the 13th century the because uh, it used to be uh, you know, priests could get married up until mm-hmm. the Middle yeah. Ages. Right. But then uh, the the church wanted to keep all the property after the priests died, yep. and so they didn't allow the priests to get married, and that's yeah. that's why that's why priests don't get married in yeah, the Catholic Church. So that so God that like uh, whenever whenever a priest dies, everything he owns goes back to the church rather than to his family. It's fucked up. And uh, and so that's a, he was like, it's just a man-made rule. And I'm like, and then him explaining that made me go like, what else is just man-made? Yeah, what else exactly. is just, like, why would I believe anything else? Yeah. If you think that's stupid, then why why should I care about the, you know, transubstantiation or... Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it really opens up a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think I talked to Doug about this too. Like, for me, when I started to go against the religion that I was raised, um, it was like there were just certain questions that weren't answered and I wasn't satisfied by like, you know, okay, if everybody has to accept Jesus into their heart in order to become a Christian or believe, you know, Jesus, then what about the people who never hear about Jesus or who die before if they're babies or whatever? It's like, that was one of my main objections too. I remember. Yeah. I used to go to CCD, which is, uh, Catholic uh, catechism Children doctrine or something. I fr- what does yeah. CCD? Stand I don't know. I, I was for? Southern Baptist. Uh, CCD know. was Catholic catechism and doctrine, I think. 
But it was like Sunday school, but it would happen at night on like Monday nights or something. But there was this crazy lady That's that funny. taught our uh, CCD course, and she uh, she she would refuse to say the word damn, or or like or she was just like That's super hyper conservative. And and I remember asking a question in CCD about people born in other countries who just yeah. you know happen to be you know heathen yeah you know, like they, they're just they're just say. alive and the great people their entire lives but they you know are born into another mm-hmm. life and a different religion and she's like hell yeah like, they're going to hell and i was like you you just consign half the world to hell exactly. just because of uh, the accident of where they were born yeah and exactly. i was like 10 and i remember I really tried to like find answers to those questions. Like, and then it just, it all started to like crumble in on itself. Like it was like a lot of circular logic and just a lot that kind of made me be like, okay, it's not like I totally stopped believing in God, but it was that I was like, okay, maybe this isn't the right conception of God. Like maybe there, if I started to look at it as like, if God exists, God is far beyond our own like petty thoughts and emotions and our doctrine and our dogma. Like God is, the supreme being that is not petty like we think like we project all of our like petty shit onto god and our own like petty logic but if this thing exists surely it's beyond all of those sort of the yeah. constraints that if make there us is a god pe- then people I, I don't understand it yeah exactly so i was like you know it's like not like i ever stopped believing in god but i just started to develop a new notion of god that exists or that like you know, perhaps God is love and perhaps evil exists because we have no notion of good without evil. You know, I tried to fit it into some sort of like logic that actually makes sense rather than, uh, you know, because it's like the idea of like, where did the devil come from? Like if God is good and the devil was, you know, the story of the devil is like, you know, he was up in heaven and started to think that he could be just as powerful as God. And so then God cast him down to hell. But it's like, well, well, why would he do that to uh, the devil? Yeah. Uh, well, and it's like, kind of mean. yeah. And I'm like, well, uh, how did the devil be a kinder way to solve that problem? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so you give it just, there's a lot of errors with that. I think like, I'm like, yeah. well, how did the devil start to question and, and have some sort of ego if it was existing in this perfect world? Like, where did that notion yeah. even come from? So, I was like, maybe there's some other notion that is a little bit more logically consistent. Like maybe God allows evil to happen in the world or allows us to have the choice or allows suffering. Like we were talking about earlier before, like this book I'm reading, it's like perhaps suffering. We tend to look at suffering as something that we just completely want to avoid, like avoid pain and seek pleasure. But if we didn't have pain, then we would have no notion of pleasure. Um, If we didn't have what's an example he gives Um, you were saying about the orchid yeah or the lotus yeah he he talks about the lotus flower like growing in the mud and that we would have like were it not for the mud and were it not for the difficulty and the struggle then the lotus wouldn't be able to grow and be this beautiful thing um what is this he talks about let me try to find um i know i apply everything to stand up but Mm -hmm. i i I'm getting a little tired of just on purpose going out to uh, face terrible audiences. Just I'm going to go up and I'm going to go and face the audience that isn't listening or the audience Mm -hmm. that I can't handle or the audience that nobody wants to perform in front of. And I'll be the better comedian because I'll 
I'll learn these lessons of suffering. <laughs> and like, I, I just learned bad habits that way. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned to there's not have confidence. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, there's a few different ways to look at it. I like yeah. to perform in front of a challenging crowd. But if they're not every time, not every Sometimes time, I just like a good audience. Please. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what's the point? Like, you know, what's the point of performing in front of a tough crowd when no one is paying attention? Literally. It's like, yeah. what am I really getting from this? Like, sometimes it's good to just get the material out. But if I want to work on tweaking material, yeah, <laughs> it's like if I want to work on tweaking material to figure out which tags will get laughs, then I can't do that if nobody's paying attention. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it's not suffering for the sake of suffering. It's not trying to like create intentionally create suffering. Like, and that's, he talks about that in this book too, is like, there's already enough suffering in the world for us to like yeah. use to, awaken and flourish that we don't have to create more for ourselves like i think i used to think that too like and maybe you did too as like a being raised catholic that like um suffering was good and that it was like good to sacrifice like i thought that for a long time like so much so to the point where i was miserable where it was yeah. like i just sacrificed all my own wants and desires and needs for the sake of making other people happy and um, that was also in the army too. That was the only way I could get through. It was just turning my ego and intention and personality completely off for days and days at a time, staying oh up and doing God. sorts of like manual labor and just getting telling like operating like a, a widget rather than a person and uh -huh. just wearing a uniform and not caring about, you know, what I'm doing or, who I'm doing it to or what's happening in the mm -hmm. world. And I, 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 I was never completely able to, but that's, that's the idea of being a soldier is to just suppress your individuality yeah, and do exactly. all the work to, that you're commanded to do Yeah, and not complain and, um, be efficient. And yeah. It, it Were you, did you have any kind of PTSD when you left? the army i don't know you don't I know, know. I don't know. I did you notice like you were different think, or what ways were you different when i think everybody was traumatized by the um by the, the, the events of uh, the lead up to the iraq war in 2003 mm -hmm. are everybody talks about how crazy things are now with trump they were just as crazy then mm -hmm. that was a that was one of the most nightmarish things that has happened and mm -hmm. this, this naked grab for power for real. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, in, in a country we, did, we didn't need to invade. It had nothing yeah, to do with the attack on 9-11. Nothing to do with the attack. That's what's crazy. <laughs> um, I went to the 9-11 memorial in New York with my mom. And then I was like, I was like, isn't it crazy how like all these people from the Taliban were in Afghanistan, but we invaded Iraq? I was like, have you ever thought about that? Like, I was like, <laughs> my mom was kind of like a little unnerved by it. And I'm like, it's such a complete contradiction to be like okay so we were it was the taliban that like uh, did the attacks on 9-11 so why did we i uh, saddam hussein like yeah. what did he have to do with it i always like, liked explaining that to people when i first got back from the war uh -huh. to people who'd be like thank you for your service or you know who'd uh -huh. be like i loved having that cachet or the the yeah, like, fuck you i served and and i believe this and i know this from firsthand experience yeah that we had no reason to invade Iraq. yeah exactly i did it because i had to i wanted to go to college are we still over there yes yeah <laughs> oh <my laughs> that's the war that won't end like 
that's yeah. yeah that's so crazy people just like now it's just become so like such just like a way to make money right i mean what's a blackwater what are they now is that their name oh, still no they changed it, it again yeah but uh it was like Halliburton. it is the um eric prince mm-hmm. betsy devos's brother or yeah, yeah right, uh, there's an epi- the, there's an episode of the crazy. D- it's only it's like a hundred people own everything. Yeah, and, <laughs> like they have and like, I don't own shit, <laughs> <laughs> and I owe them money. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so now you consider yourself an atheist? Well, right? I don't know. Not entirely. I I I just I don't have any. Uh, expectations because how can you predict how do you know what's going to happen after you die and i i i would like to think that there's something but i don't know and uh last week when uh when sean rouse died i he was in the hospital i remember thinking yeah i don't believe in the power of prayer but some people do so why not you know direct that to sean rouse because you know he just had a heart attack and Yeah, I know some people prayed for him, but he still died. Yeah, well, I don't think prayer necessarily works in like a magical spell sort of way. I mean, but but it helps people who do it. I think there's something about praying for somebody else or thinking about somebody else and letting go of your concerns and focusing on, you know, other people's problems. Yeah, I think that's what prayer is more about. Prayer is more about, I think it's, it's something like, surrender it's something about recognizing um the complexity of the universe that's going on beyond like our own ability to control things or to fully understand what's going on so it's asking for wisdom it's asking for help it's admitting you don't know things it's um humility it's um i think it's also an ability to um open up and when you open up and admit that you don't know everything, there is an opportunity for growth and to obtain more wisdom and insight. And like in terms of believing in God, I mean, I look at my relationship with. Oh wait, hang on, I have to pause because I think my H E B order is here. Okay, Uh-oh. be okay. right yeah, back. You said this was gonna happen. Be right back. Say that into the mic. You you can kind of see his dick <laughs> there. Tell people what you're looking at. Um, or, or, I mean, Bob. Yes. Uh, Amanda has some gay porn on her refrigerator. That's with right. No homo. With, yeah, with the um, with the naughty part mostly cut off at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But it's it's for, it says Bjorn again. It's The model's name is Bjorn. This is Bjorn again. Kirsten, Kristen has a lot to be proud of. The nice part is he's willing to share. A glimpse of a nipple might get your attention, but he can feel you checking out that hot cock. You must be doing something right. Those inviting eyes and that hard dick are just the green light you need. I guess Kristen, I guess this isn't gay porn. It's for women. No. no. Let me see. Uh, but, but So his yeah. name is Bjorn. So, so you're, supposed to, yeah, you're supposed to be looking at his hot cock and hard dick. Kristen... I don't know who Kristen is. Has a is. lot to be proud of. The nice part is he's willing to share. So hmm. his name is Kristen. I don't no, know. I thought his name is Bjorn. Me too. I don't know what hmm. Bjorn. We again. have a friend named Bjorn. We do have a, so. Yeah, so that's why it's funny. Who's never gonna listen to this? No, podcast, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That's how you know you have a good friend is real <laughs> friends don't listen to your podcast. I listened to your podcast no, the other thank day you. just to know what I was getting into. Yeah, to know that <laughs> it's not a funny podcast. Oh. Um, you're like, you're so serious. Oh. Um, no, sometimes it's funny, but it's just conversation. Yeah. Let's just do bits the whole time. You want to do bits? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to have Gay Bravo on and we'll just, <laughs> I'll just have him just. Just zingers and yeah. uh, one-liners pun. and everything you say, he'll pun it back at you. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That's, those are my favorite conversations. Um, mm. Ones that are just jokes. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> ones that I can't keep up with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like when it's like a, uh arm wrestling match and i always lose that's my favorite kind of conversation <laughs> yeah exactly that's i like losing in life really that's my favorite way to live that's well i like accepting what i have and so i may as well get used to losing or or, or loving losing isn't it that's part of acceptance and suffering yeah losing. if you love if you're it's all part of the process yeah you're not a Com- forever loser yeah Sometimes you win. I think sometimes I win too, but sometimes I do well on stage, mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't. And then sometimes yeah. I don't know the difference. Sometimes I don't know <laughs> myself whether I was even funny. I think I was funny, but uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, do I'm people, not even a good judge. People laugh. I think yeah, that's but, how you know. Well, how were they laughing? Were they laughing at you or with you? Were they laughing politely or were they laughing with their hearts? Were they laughing? I think the louder they, the laugh, the more uh-huh. real it is. Yeah. But then or I'll not. have a loud laugh. I'll I'll have a set where I have, you know, like I I'll have the loudest laugh of the night, but then I have the lowest low of the night after making everybody laugh harder than they laughed at anybody else. Then they hate me more than anybody else by the time I'm Nobody done. Nobody hates you hate when you get me. off stage. I, I don't know. Maybe you hate yourself. No, I hate myself, but they, they aren't impressed sometimes. Even after a really good laugh, if, if, you, if you go down low too low and you don't get back up with the laugh, then they just, yeah, they're like, next. I try to not think too much about mm. it. Um, because if I do, then I'm just going to, like, be miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, even if I, like, feel like I don't do very well, I try to, like, I'll try to kind of evaluate why I didn't do well. But then I try to not, like, really dwell on it that long because then I just end up sort of... Because if you, if you weigh too much of your, like, your value on how how well or how badly you do then it's never going to be a consistent like sense of self like it's always going to be dependent on other people's reactions yeah you know and And i've 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 been through i think that's just a the process of getting rejected can be uh one of the greatest benefits of doing comedy is uh putting yourself out there to be rejected and then being rejected and then being i'm still worth something even though yeah and so i tried anyway. i tried to get what i wanted but i didn't get it but yeah it's uh it doesn't mean that i can never get anything that i want it just means that i didn't get this thing yeah one thing and i like about comedy is the struggle because i think if you don't have any sort of struggle or anything in your life that makes you uncomfortable then you're not growing and you have to have some sort of you know, not intentionally being like, I'm going to intentionally date this asshole so that I can learn something. But that like, you know, doing things that make you uncomfortable is really important for growth. And, you know, and then learning how to sort of get better at doing that thing, whatever it is, you know, that's part of why I wanted to go back to school. Or feeling like like you have a, a real purpose and value that 
is independent of what other people define you as. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's definitely because if you go by how other people define you, then you're never going to have yeah. a consistent sense of self because everybody's going to define you differently and nobody really knows you like you know yourself. Yeah. Audiences are supposed to know you, though, by the time you're done. Are they? I don't know. They're supposed to know a lot about they you. Know they know that I'm a dumb slut. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess as long as they know that, then they really know me in my entirety. <laughs> they, that's, they, that's basically it. Yeah. Like, what do you think audiences think of me when I do my, like, uh, I don't know. Um, that you're sad. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a depressed uh, I have a cat. Yeah, people know uh, you have a cat. Hey. They know you're gay. I'm gay. And you're sad. I have a cat. And you were in the army, probably. People know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, oh, like I, d- I did want to say what I was talking about before we got H-E-B delivered. Shout out to H-E-B. This is sponsored by H-E-B, sparkling water. Um, coconut water saved your life. Yeah. The woman delivering the groceries, she's she, telling me how she, coconut water saved her life when she had the flu. Um, but before then, uh, I was talking about God. and Because uh, before you were talking about you weren't really sure about the afterlife. And what I was trying to say was like, the way I look at like my interaction with like God or the universe or whatever is that I look at it as like what's how it's applicable now. Like I don't even worry too much about what happens when I die. I look at like how can God help me in my day to day life? Like how can I That is the way the Buddhists Yeah, exactly. Them, like right? in a very practical way. Yeah. Like I can't I don't know what's yeah. gonna happen. I just don't like to I say die. the word God, just like I don't like to say the word socialism. Yeah. When I want yeah. to uh, advocate for something. That yeah, because people have <laughs> their own notions of what that word means that yeah. you know can be like stigmatized. Like coming out as a socialist is not a good move. I I I understand it's what I am probably, but just yeah. don't call me that. You just say Democrat. Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or gay. Just yeah. say you're gay. Like. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm running for office, I don't know. Yeah. So I I tend to. I have recently gotten less shy about saying the word God, but it's God as I define it. It's not God um, in the traditional way, but sometimes I do shy away from using that term because of people's connotations. You don't want to identify with uh, the monsters. Yeah, like the, the right, pe- yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's the God that I interact with is much more complex than somebody that Joel cares, Osteen's God cares or, about, you know, like... like you know, if you have an abortion or if you're gay or not, like those yeah. things are so petty, you know, um, I'm more interested in like, how can I gain wisdom throughout life? How can I learn to be more present and by extension, be happier? How can I learn to be aware and move outside of my own like petty thoughts and like feelings and bullshit, you know, like you were saying that quote, I wrote it down, read it. Or you oh read yeah, it. I got it written down. Uh, I was, I, I have this old notebook. I read this book by Lewis Hyde called Trickster Makes This World. And um, there's a long thing. It says, ongoing systems of reciprocity and the ethical injunctions they carry give the group great, uh, great stability. But that very stability can sometimes make people feel trapped. So the comedian's purpose is to undo a kind of false sense of stability because the world is always larger and more complicated than our 
personal cosmologies. Yeah. Accidents reveal the cracks in the systems or, you know, the there's essence buried in accident and there's a assumptions of underlying unity which need to be destroyed in order to make people laugh or in order to understand the world more fully or to break up kind of rigid s- systems of thought that keep people, you know, imprisoned in yeah yeah i mean and all of us do that like we all have our own like narrow way of seeing the world and things that we think are right and like the way like the way that we interpret the world and it's like i really uh, my life's journey is to try to just unfold all of that bullshit and just like clear it all out and like how can i just have pure awareness that's not like attached to um sort of petty things or a narrow worldview. Like how can I broaden my perspective and be like, if there's something that I'm worried about, like my car is having an issue. It's like, it's going to be taken care of. Like I'm going to get it taken care of. There's no need to like wake up worried about my car or whatever other thing. It's like, all I can do is like put into practice the things to resolve uh, whatever sort of problems there are. But like, you know, getting stuck in like thinking like, then seeing the world in like a negative view is like, it's very narrow because there's multiple ways to interpret one thing. And actually, so he talks about suffering in in this book. He says, um, okay, let's see where it is. Give me two seconds. Okay. Um, wait, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Where is it? We can't, manifest okay I'm almost there <clears throat> okay so he talks about different ways of looking at our suffering and he says cold air can be painful if you aren't wearing enough warm clothes but when you're feeling overheated or you're walking outside with proper clothing the bracing sensation of cold air can be a source of feeling joy and aliveness suffering isn't some kind of external objective source of oppression and pain there might be things that cause you to suffer such as loud noise or bright lights which may bring other people joy there are things that bring you joy that annoy other people the rainy day that ruins your plans for a picnic is a boon for the farmer whose field is parched so it's like there are multiple ways to interpret the things that are going on around us and like my suffering is not a necessary truth about the world you know things that make me suffer aren't they're they're different perspectives happening everywhere to everyone yeah Yeah. exactly and and, uh enlightening people onto like this i i get so sucked into my day-to-day concerns and my life Mm -hmm. and my petty jealousies and then yeah i don't know what type of a monster i become when i just you know kind of tear into like little like uh personal like mm-hmm. I, I i read some of these uh, sometimes i write angry letters to people just uh, just to get, <laughs> You're such just an old to man. get it out <laughs> yeah and i don't send them uh, but yeah. just but then i'll look back and uh, some of these letters are just so self-centered and, mm. and like petty I, mean, I don't i don't i have like no interest in what the other person's going through all i care about is getting what i want yeah and uh there's more out there than just what i want mm-hmm. it's yeah. 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 It's a practice of learning to, I mean, that's a good idea of like writing it just to get it out so that like, you know, your pure like 
what is that your id yeah you know it can just sort of like be completely expressed in a way that's not harming anybody um but it's a practice to be able to step outside of that and he also talks about in this book like you know it's sort of like whatever you feed is like that's what's going to grow so it's like we if we feed our own petty jealousies and stuff like i have like you know there's very few people that i dislike but there's just some people like just you know one or two people we probably agree on at least one of them <laughs> i just mouthed the person's yeah. name did you catch it uh-huh. yeah like that you know it can be so easy for us to like really dwell on how much we dislike that person right and it's like the more we feed into it the more it's like the more it like gains power right and like um and then they become like they they become activated by all that because it's it's not like they don't know yeah and sometimes you know especially this one particular person it's like this person hates themselves and so the way they so what they put out into the world they get back and so there's a reason that a lot of people don't like this person right because there's because they put out a lot of sort of dislike and disdain in general and negative emotions so that's what they get back and so we feed off of that and so it's a it's a conscious choice to not feed off of that because the default the easy thing to do is to just be like oh my god i fucking hate this person oh my god me too you know but then you get stuck you can get so stuck and that can be fun but it stops being fun like yeah when when i've had some friendships that are just entirely based on bitching about other people yeah and and those get so boring after a while it's so fun for a little while to just tear other people down it's cathartic like yeah yeah. but yeah at a certain point it's like then you're just feeding into it and then it makes you a miserable person like and then you're and then for me at least like then i think about like how can i get them like how can i like have more power over them and i start to play all of these games that really just end up making me small like yeah it's it's just so narrow yeah so have you ever been in therapy not for a long time um yeah, I, I wish. I, I, I should, but I wish. You could probably get it through the VA, right? I don't know. I'd have to have a car to get out of the VA. I, I could probably uh, go to the Bering Omega. I think they charge on a sliding scale mm-hmm. at the at the Bering uh, place over near Boondocks. Um, oh, yeah, that's close. And, uh, yeah, I know a guy who goes for, like, 50 bucks every two weeks or something. And oh, that's doable. Yeah. Um, maybe I should just... I'm going to quit smoking weed again and and the money that I would have spent on weed for real all, I don't know I was spending yeah I I think I I for a while I was spending 60 or 70 bucks a month on weed so that's yeah it's not an insane habit but it's too much it's like more than cable and I live without cable yeah <laughs> like, well you um, pick you weed is yeah. your cable <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we don't have cable or internet here either, but we got mushrooms. <laughs> we got mushrooms and two dogs. Like, that uh, keeps us entertained. Yeah, I got a cat. I like to read poetry to the cat. That's fun. Aww. Yeah, I've been reading her uh, Dennis Johnson and Ted Kooser, Mary Oliver. All these, uh, you know. Mary Oliver, I know who that is. Uh, yeah. She's, like, kind of spiritual with her poetry. Yeah. For, that's been my interaction with her. I don't know. She writes about nature. Nature, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I think therapy, I mean, in terms of like cost, you know, I mean, weed is sort of a therapy in itself, especially if it could, it could be like supplementing a sort of therapy also like in a way that kind of helps if you have anxiety or depression, you know, it can have yeah. a legitimate purpose. As With far as me, it's just medication. a crush. I just like getting fucked up. Yeah. Well, then there you go. <laughs> just, so I'm then there's your like, answer. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know since I've like cut back on drinking, I'm just like, oh my God, every time I don't drink, I'm like, oh my God, there's $5 in my pocket. There's $10 in my pocket. Wow. There's, you know, it's just yeah. like, uh, that's how, cause it's like from drinking every day, even if I'd get just a $5 pint, you mm-hmm. know, it's like $5 times seven days a week. That's 35 bucks. Yeah. Times four, it's I think like, I spend probably like 400 bucks a month. On I know. Drinking. Yeah. If I were to really break it down, it'd be like, yeah. whoa. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. But then when you do comedy, you always go to a bar and I feel so I know impolite if I just go to a bar and I don't buy anything and I go to do my shitty comedy at people and then they. I don't feel yeah. as bad because I'm a girl, but like I do feel a certain level of guilt if I don't buy something. Like, even if I've, yeah. even if it's like the secret group yeah. where I've spent hundreds of dollars, it's like if one night I'm like not drinking, I like feel like I'm like yeah. cheap. God, out it on really, the bar. It, like, it's expensive there. I, I, it, yeah. it adds up real quick. With yeah, that. $2 well <laughs> night is good though, Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. but then other nights, like, uh, Five dollars a beer, and then oh yeah, yeah no. that's why you get purse vodka. You bring <laughs> vodka. In hey, your purse. don't say that. Not to the secret group. Yeah, but to <laughs> other places. Oh, no, yeah. I just get drunk before I go to the secret group. Yeah, you can do that. No, I I still drink at the secret group though. Oh. Shot in a beer, and then another shot, and then another shot. And then yeah, <laughs> and uh, then I forgot. Maybe I'll just, if I want to quit drinking, I'll just like I'll just go there and I'll just leave a tip rather than like because that's yeah. all they care about anyways. Like, exactly. No, yeah, I, and I, I always care. tip generously. Yeah. Like, so what, okay, so you're back on drinking. Are you doing anything to sort of self-improve? Is there anything you're working on personally, um, like physically? I like to draw, mentally? but uh-huh. I think I need to actually get one of those books to learn how to draw. I just draw out of nervous energy. and a, Yeah, a, just to get it out. Yeah, and I've been doing that for years, and it's part of my process with the writing jokes. and everything. But I think I, I would really like to just improve my uh, perspective. And I think... Uh, the only drawing class I've ever taken was a life drawing class. Mm-hmm. Like, so I can look at models and I have good line and movement mm-hmm. and um, expression and gestures. But uh, I don't, I, I think if I could just you know, learn a few basic uh, things, then maybe I could try to illustrate Fuck yeah. stuff. And then I could, I could really, because I've been drawing a, a lot for years and years. I just, I just don't, it's it all comes out looking like outsider art i think any kind of thing to like improve yourself like taking a class or you know therapy or running or any kind of thing like that to like just be constantly moving forward so you're not just like stagnant because then that's that's when i get depressed is when i'm feeling stagnant like when i feel like when i look back at my day and i haven't done anything yeah when i when i'm like uh oh whole year's passed and it's just uh yeah, well, uh, and I've just everything's been high. the same. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it, but uh, I didn't get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed not doing anything. Yeah, um, no, I just think that's important for at least for me. Like, if I'm not doing any kind of creative work or physical expression, then I like I start to feel stagnant. And then it's like it's like you said, it's like I don't want to look back on my year and be like, what did I do? Oh, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I fucked a bunch of people. Okay. 
yeah. guess that's not a total loss. <laughs> there yeah. are worse things. Um, but anyway, but yeah, that's part of like me wanting to go back to school is just being like, okay, I feel like I'm kind of stagnant. Like I need to, I, I need to grow. Like I need to level up, like meet my potential or whatever, you know? Yeah. I need, I would love to get, I don't know. I just, I, I, I go back and forth with, uh, I was talking about this with Justin Massengale yesterday. We were, uh, just talking about how like, in the days after the election of 2016, which I remember sort of like 9-11, like <laughs> felt 9/11. like a 9-11 memory to uh-huh. me was that election. And then, but it just felt like everything was a nightmare. Like, like the whole world was collapsing and everything that I was always afraid of happening was just coming true. Mm-hmm. And, and then you forget that feeling every once in a while, but then, yeah, uh, with this uh, Kavanaugh Supreme Court nominee, I'm like, uh, it's exactly what I was afraid. Like every once in a while, it all comes flooding back. This like fear of uh, repressive uh, corporate fascist mm-hmm. uh, um, world order that we just are stuck in on a dying planet, and, and just unfair looters. Uh, yeah, like. So I mean, like, but like, there's this panic just. Like fighting that is uh as a real problem for me. I think and that's that's why I you know, I, I ended my relationship to Greg Deal after ten years. Shout out to Greg Deal. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I would say it's not the end of the world. We're still going. Like, there's still good yeah. in the world, you know, like in order for things to get better they have to be bad you know like there's always a constant sort of ebb and flow and a give and take of these yeah, things but do they have to be this bad do you have to look up at the it could, news could, every day and just see that like, could uh, mean that the good is oh, going to be that much we're back into slavery times but it could mean uh, that the good is going to be that much better and there are country. still people who are moving forward like there yeah. is a strong resistance against yeah. the administration and people are more politically involved than they've probably ever been or at least since probably the vietnam war you know so that's a positive like there are positives i believe that are have come and are continuing to come out of it like you know people give a lot people give more of a shit um a lot of these um controversial issues are a lot more to the forefront of the debate like gun control and you know um our relationship to the world around us is sort of a big conversation that's going on and how do we um how do we interact with the world around us um you know i think i think it's pretty important and i wouldn't say it's all just like doom and gloom like you know if if that's the case then just kill yourself like you know (laughs) no don't (laughs) but it's also like there's also how much can you really even do and you're yeah you know like you can if you care poli- about the politics, then get involved politically. If not, what can you do in your day-to-day life to make the world a better place? Make yourself a better place, make or make yourself a better person, or and then like be nice to other people. Like that's what you can do. Yeah, you know, to resist like whatever it is that you're, you know, hate or fear or whatever it is that you feel is sort of permeating in the political environment. You know? Yeah, I think I think. But to get back to that idea, I think the the comedy can be you know important and not like 
but destroying that the uh, those assumptions of underlying unity mm-hmm. that keep sort of patterns of thought that make trump possible mm-hmm. uh you know like to, as a comedian you can make some effort toward destroying those assumptions of yeah. underlying unity that you know uh we're just just changing the culture or changing people's attitudes toward like, i th- i think just getting up on stage and telling people that I'm gay and that I look like a normal person and I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm not like uh, effeminate or I'm, yeah. um, I, I, I just war, have ordinary like, gay yeah. man stories or, and I, I, I think that's, it does something. I, I, it's something to be proud of. It's the, yeah. To, you know, dismantle people's assumptions about, you know, what they think gay people are or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say that would be my biggest sort of reflection on what you said is that like, what can you do in your day to day life to resist? Yeah. You know, but it, it, it just, it gets so overwhelming. It gets, uh, it's so terrifying. It's so like, yeah, like, I don't know how these people go to sleep at night. Like how these, you know, these 100 Xanax. billionaire people <laughs> you're t- like we were talking about, Fucking who just own everything. And yeah. Vodka. <laughs> yeah. How do you live with yourself after you just, you know, that Stephen Miller with the, you know, that. It's going to come out in other ways. I firmly believe that. I think that physically it, um, you know, you can only live in denial for so long and repress and create and, create hate in the world without it's going to come out in one way or another i think it's more rare that the person sort of ends up dying yeah. peacefully it always seems like the, the the people who get revenged upon are always just it, when it's a global war situation it's always the people who just happen to be born in the country where the shitty leaders were yeah. doing all the ruthless terrible things and it's not the the perpetrators always end up just fine and it's like there's i don't know like like how do you live without justice you know when, when you just see justice just escape people like like like, like dick cheney's still alive mm-hmm. i like to imagine dick cheney just driving a hearse every day on the highway somewhere like yeah like just this angry old man who's like uh but yeah how do you how do you like hey because because the good doesn't always win and, and the the um mm-hmm. the right doesn't always you know the the light doesn't always reach the yeah i think a lot of times people think that it's supposed to yeah i don't think it's necessarily supposed to i think that um it's not as if we're working towards some ultimate perfection of the universe the system is constantly tweaking itself shit we might kill ourselves like you know, older sort of civilizations that could have existed or whatever, like we might destroy ourselves. Like, but you know, I would say all we can really focus on is what can we do on an individual day to day basis to make the world a better place, to improve our own lives and to improve the lives of others around us. And if we get caught so caught up in like worrying about this, the big picture, then we lose sight of what we can actually do. And then we like become inhibited or like, like we become, um, what's the word? It sort of keeps us from being able to live our lives normally. If we're so worried about like, if we can't get out of bed because we're so depressed that Trump is president, you know? Yeah. And we just become habituated to this feeling of like learned helplessness. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so let's shift gears. Okay. Tell me about your movie idea. Oh, no. Okay. Um, this I'll, it's amazing I, I read it movie idea the other day. Hearing about. I do have a movie idea. It's real silly. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so... I had this idea for a face-switching buddy comedy thriller slash horror farce. Say that again? It's a face-switching buddy comedy thriller slash face. horror farce. Fla- face-switching well, yeah, bod- buddy, buddy comedy. Buddy comedy. Um, maybe that's too much, but it starts with there's a, a baby alone in the sun at the amusement park, okay. which is named Ass to Astro World. Ass to Astro World is the name of the baby? It's the name of the amusement park. And then there's a baby alone on the concrete crying in the sun. How did it get there? That's a mystery. But, okay, so um, it's also a mystery. Yeah. It's, and uh, there's a baby. There's a crowd of maybe a thousand people just okay. looking at the baby crying crowd. in the sun. Just looking Nobody at doing it. doing it. Just all looking at it. And okay. then um, Gary Busey. Okay. Uh from the 70s maybe G- gary mm-hmm. Busey from, from the 80s celebrity rehab yeah well maybe 80s gary Busey that i remember from the movie silver bullet from or the or the movie point break or you know some familiar gary Busey. okay he he drives up on a motorcycle in the amusement park yeah he's he's on a motorcycle and he just like runs over the baby with his motorcycle okay runs over baby yeah and then um as he's right, uh the running over the baby like squealing the tires on top of it some kid screams that's my sister he's killing her that's my he sister. killed her and then the motorcycle roars why wasn't that kid holding his sister i don't know that's also a mystery it's his fault yeah gary Busey splatters the boy with his own sister's blood bones sinews teeth and then it all comes you know all this gore comes flying out from the back of the motorcycle okay. at, the, at the kid gore at yeah and then the crowd parts for Gary Busey, who's on his motorcycle, and then he rides his way up these stairs leading up to the top of a roller coaster. Okay, so yeah. he rides his motorcycle. Yeah, he rides his motorcycle up these stairs to the top stairs. of the roller coaster. But then, like, there's somebody at the... Like, he's about to, like, get uh, dismount from his motorcycle mm-hmm. and give a big speech. But at somebody, the top of the roller coaster. Yeah, but somebody pushes him off of the top of the stairs, the top of the ride, you know, and then he falls like three flights of stairs down off the motorcycle. And, uh, and then he dies. And then the motorcycle falls on top of him. And then the whole crowd cheers. Okay. And, and Gary Busey is dead. And uh, they leave the body there at the foot of the roller coaster um, because no one cares about it enough to clean it up. And that's where they go wrong because leaving it there overnight... Um, the people from Gary Busey's estate, they come and clean it up and they RoboCop him back to life. RoboCop. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, he has the chance to be more powerful than ever if he can only find the boy with the sister who died and, uh, then take his face. To take... Yeah, Terminator 2 style. He has to, uh, yeah, he has to Terminator 2 style. Where's um, the buddy comedy coming in? Well... So far, it just seems... (laughs) Like a bad dream. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Oh, uh, was it? Okay, nailed it. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. So, Look at me, amateur armchair psychologist. 
Okay. So what this means, Bob... Okay, wait. Finish the dream and I'll tell you what it means. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a Terminator 2 style adventure about a guy named Gary Busey getting Robocopped back to life in order to face off some kid for some reason. More powerful to take boy's face. Okay. Yeah, he gets... Yeah. Is so, it, so does he like, take the face? Uh, we don't know yet. I don't know. I, di- I didn't write the end of it because it's stupid. Because you woke up? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Take okay. fa- Where's the buddy cop? Um, I just said buddy, buddy cop because that sounded like, you know, um, like the boy probably gets becomes friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or something. And they fight back so Gary Busey. So it's a no buddy cop buddy yeah, cop well, movie. Yeah, it, there's a lot of holes in the plot. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if we can break this dream down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then we can produce it. Is this a dream you had when you weren't smoking weed? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Bob's, we'll call this movie Bob's Subconscious. Bob's Subconscious Buddy Cop Movie. Okay. I'm writing it down. Okay. So baby, so baby represents you, right? Your childhood. Maybe. I don't know. Let's see if I can do this. I'm going to come up with a theory. Okay. Your childhood. Baby is your innocence. Okay. And it's sitting there crying in a place. Did you go to Astroworld as a kid? No, but I did go to Great America. Okay. And when I went to amusement parks with my family, I was always doing stuff like getting lost on purpose just so that everybody would look for me. There you go. Okay. So that makes sense. I was like five years old. So Bob was looking the for whole attention. Day. I, I just ruined the then. whole okay. experience for all my brothers and sisters. <laughs> You're like, let me ruin this for everybody. <laughs> As if dad's death wasn't enough. Um, <laughs> okay. So the baby is your childhood and your innocence. And it's laying on the concrete and no one's doing anything. So no one is like helping you. Yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden, um, and you're in like what's supposed to be this really playful family place, but you're all alone. So you're all alone in a, in a place where people are supposed to be together. So, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in, Gary Busey, he comes in and then just destroys your childhood. So something comes in and destroys your childhood, whatever Gary Busey represents. Right. Um, so it could be the priest it could be the war it could be multiple things your dad's death whatever so you lose your innocence and then you have a sibling who's there who says that's my sister that's my brother but then still doesn't do anything about it so like you think that they care but they aren't doing enough so you feel like no one is doing enough to protect you and then from there then the guy who who stole your innocence doesn't give a shit goes up there does his like masculine thing to like go to the top and give a speech and then he falls so ultimately he's powerless as well so the thing that stole your innocence is powerless and then the other shit I just made up on top of that. Okay. So yeah, then the other that's shit about like face off or buddy comedy. Okay, that yeah. was just other stuff. I was like, how do I tie that up? That seems <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. So he died at the end of your dream, basically. Yeah. Right? And everybody was like, yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, good ending. So your innocence was lost for no reason. Uh huh. That's my interpretation of your dream. Okay. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's one of my favorite things to do. I love analyzing dreams and 
playing armchair psychologist or whatever. Um, that's like, I, I want to be like an amateur therapist. Like I don't want to have to like go to school to do it. Yeah, you like, want to be like a Dr. Phil. Yeah. Except he actually has his PhD, no, but he doesn't. Yeah, he does. No, he it's doesn't in criminal, really? it's in criminal, like, uh, it's like criminal psychology or whatever. He's not like a therapist in like a traditional. Oh, way. I thought he was just a total fraud. No, no. He actually knows what he's talking about. Oh. Yeah. I really like Dr. Phil actually. Oh my God. Uh, no, it's okay. But not for like, I just find it extremely entertaining because he's just like putting people in their place. Like I love whenever he like shuts people down who like think they know everything, Mm. you know, I don't know. So yeah, yeah, I could be a Dr. Phil just like, or just like a sham guru. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like a good life. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I get paid. Yeah, exactly. Like just sit in an armchair basically. (laughs) So yeah. Um, Okay. Any other dreams you want me to break down? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what other movie ideas do you have? Um, okay. I had I had the... We were going through a bunch of them. I had Loophole, the movie, and it's like a Kevin... That sounds Spa- like a gay porn. <laughs> yeah. It's a Kevin Spacey comeback movie uh-huh. where um, Kevin Spacey goes back in time to uh, rape his own self as a teenager. Okay. And because uh, it's not a crime <laughs> if it's masturbation if you're technically fucking yourself as yeah, a teenager. That's a good. So he, and then experiment. he's like, "Would I even be raping myself? I'd be, you know." Rapes so, aha, uh-huh, loophole. As a child, that's uh, a good thought experiment. Yeah, and then another name for that could have been House of Come. What or, was House of Come? What was? Oh yeah. Uh, or or what about? Yeah, loophole. I, had, yeah, I like loophole. Loophole three, dick too thick, you must acquit. Dick too thick. Is that that's like an OJ reference? Yeah. Um. Yeah, those. Are, yeah, there was a. So like, if I, the I dick, if a, a rom com sweatshop movie. If the dick doesn't movie. fit, you must acquit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if the dick's too thick, you must, you must acquit. acquit. Yeah. Because see, your honor, my dick is way bigger than that, so. Exactly, and then yeah. you do the, <laughs> you show the dick can't go in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, and then then. So that, that's be, how you know if they're innocent. That would be a good scene in a movie. I don't, I don't know if we could carry an entire uh, narrative around that. That would be a, like a really that, dark porn. What? Like, yeah. That's how you could get away with that. Yeah. Do they make porns that are that dark? For like I don't know. I've never um, watched anything like that. I was also thinking of inventing an ET finger wrap on ET your phone. Finger wrap to make your finger glow. I don't know. Um, Does it have healing powers? Yeah. That's what's up. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All you gotta do is just invent it. I'm yeah, in. And yeah. Uh, and you can heal anything. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Uh, Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. Go Kevin Spacey comeback movie. I don't know. Um, Do you think he'll come back? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think Louis C.K. will probably come back before yeah. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Uh, um, but Louis Kevin Spacey was... I don't know. Which one's grosser? Kevin Spacey? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Louis just pulled out his dick. Like. Yeah. I mean, the girls like not cool, whatever. but you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's complex, but like I think, like, what would I think if I, 
I would say yeah. something. I would get out of the room. But I also have a pretty strong sense of self. And I think, especially if, like, younger women are feeling a little insecure or whatever, like, they might not have enough confidence to say something in that situation or feel like you're you know oh this really powerful yeah. guy like like i'd I probably just suck that dick i'd be like oh man <laughs> louis ck showed me his dick I'd i suck might that too dick. actually like, like, yeah uh, i might nah. actually like it so you know as long but, as he's not a creep like yeah then i would probably do it but he probably was a creep about it i don't know that's like but I don't, did they I don't think know, he was a creep before he did it yeah he was always kind of creepy that's half his jokes he was like uh I don't know what to do with. But know. did they think he was a creep before he did it? Oh no, I don't. Th- I don't know. So then, I mean, he thought he was like the best comedian in the world. So then, how does it? How do you turn from like? If yeah. you don't think they're a creep, I guess you don't necessarily find them attractive. But like, I think if it's like a man in power, I'm just doing a little thought experiment myself. If it's a man in power, like, let me think. Um, who's like another comic that? Like Aziz and Sorry, and I don't think he's that funny. Who's someone I, I think is funny? I thought he was funny, but then I'm, uh, trying, I'm trying to think of someone like Dave Chappelle is different because I would be like, yes, I'll, I'll suck your dick, like you know, yeah. like somebody that I actually find attractive. Like, um, let's say like Tom Segura if he wasn't married, right? Like somebody that's like not very attractive, but is really funny. Yeah, yeah I think if he did it. I'd be like, that's gross. That's about right. I think I would expect it from him because uh. he seems like that he could be a little f- creepy. Woody Allen, if Woody Allen, like, uh, should uh, be He's dick. not even attractive, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, you're you're always a creep if you're ugly. Like, <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> it is. It's true. Like, I think yeah. about that, like, when I get, like, catcalled or if, like, a guy is, like, looking at me at a bar. Mm. Like, if he's ugly, I'm, like, fucking creep. But if he's hot, I'm, like, yeah. hey, what's up? Yeah. Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh. yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, any closing final thoughts? Anything you want to share, Bob? Do you have okay shows you want to promote? Oh, okay. I'm I'm super nervous about the show tomorrow at the. Uh, I'm performing at the Contemporary Art Museum. Oh dang! Unfortunately, this won't be out by tomorrow. Eh. But what is it? I want to hear about it. Um, there's this uh, their exhibit that they're um, that that they have until August uh, is the uh, Carrie Leibowitz. He's a satiric. Uh, artist and illustrator and they have like a, a huge um you know uh, wall-to-wall display of you know years and years of his work mm-hmm. and uh in, in order to complement that they're putting a stand-up show together fuck yeah i want to do uh, it <laughs> yeah <laughs> who else is on it uh it's a lot of people it's a uh, me andy huggins uh keisha hunt mm-hmm. dusty Rhodes, nick merriweather Jaffer khan dale cheeseman katie mcgee um, Victor Tran, Drew okay. Hallway. It's That's a you know, stacked lineup. Yeah. It's going to be a long show. Yeah. It's How long are you doing? How much time are you doing? I think I'm only doing like six or seven minutes. Oh, okay. But so it'll be really fun to do in the uh, environment of... Uh, Fuck yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the opening? Well, no, the 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 Carrie Leibowitz thing has been up for about a month, but uh. there's it's a... Uh, it's just an event that they've been working toward, and oh, nice. it, sh- it should be well attended. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I know it'll be a lot of fun. I just uh, I don't know. You're gonna do good. You have you have plenty of you have six minutes, seven minutes. You have plenty of good got, material yeah, you can just yeah. use to just, uh, do that time. Yeah. Okay. So what other shows? Okay. So your door then, money uh, show. What the and then 
at the secret group, we're going to start doing a regular showcase on alternate Mondays. Um, Drew Hallway and I are, uh, and Jamal Rahal mm-hmm. are, are, are going to do like a, it's supposed to be like, like, uh, the trash flavored trash is on Tuesdays with uh-huh. the $2 wells. We're going to do a Monday show that's for gay people, gay themes. We're going to call it come flavored. Come was the first thing we were going to call it. Okay. But then, uh, we decided we can't put come on all the posters. And so, so, um, it's going to be gay shame parade. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. I like that. I mean, gay try shame it. Parade. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it'd be fun to make a video with like th- that rage against the machine song. It's like gay Bravo playing drums or something to it. Like a, a going gay shame parade. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so like, when is that going to be, um, that'll be, we're tentatively trying to do the first one beginning of August, end of July. Okay. And then we're going to have it every two weeks. That's what's and, saying. uh, and I think what I'd like to do with the door money show that is at Midtown Bar and Grill on alternate Fridays, I think I'd like to have an open mic on Friday at Midtown Bar and Grill mm-hmm. every Friday. Maybe have t- like 30 people email, like have a 30 person email list and uh, have that be a regular thing on Fridays because there's no real open mic on Fridays. And that shows yeah. a good idea for a show and we could bolster the boondocks open mic which i also host every other week mm-hmm. by having a door money show like once a month where it's like three people do 20 minutes and i could you know it, it would just be like pay what you want and since i get paid 50 bucks to host the open mic at boondocks i could like you know give tw- like 25 dollars as a prize to the winner and the plus like whatever people pay you know what Oh yeah. Like, so, so so when just to get like the Boondocks open mic going. And so then, in the meantime, so yeah. Boondocks every Tuesday. Yeah. At nine. That starts at ten usually. Nine thirty or ten. Nine thirty or ten. Okay. So if yeah. you're listening to this, Boondocks right over there off Westheimer every Tuesday around nine thirty or ten. Yeah. Okay. And then every other Friday at Midtown Bar and Grill at ten. Right. Yeah. But we're gonna. I think just change that to like an open mic every okay. every Friday. So in the meantime, just come to Boondocks, really. Like that's then, the thing. Yeah. And Boondocks then barcode on Thursdays. Barcode is, is on still Thursdays fun. at and 10 p.m. And then uh, the secret group, we're gonna start doing this Monday show. So be on so, the lookout for that yeah. gay gay shame parade. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. That's gays, probable gays, and people we <coughs> wish were gay. So and you could be your, on it. Yes, please. <laughs> I have kissed a girl before. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay, and then your Twitter and Instagram is at boring old Bob. Boring old Bob. Both so Twitter and Instagram so at boring old Bob. It's just B O B. B O B. That's how yeah. you spell Bob. So yeah. boring, okay, cool. Boring old Bob. Yes. All right. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Bob. Thank you. All right, bye. Okay, y'all. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this podcast. It would be even better if you left a review. Give me maybe, give me a few stars, write a review, tell your friends about it, a thousand serious moves. Check out my website, therapistjokes.com. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at therapistjokes, um, therapistjokes or therapistjokes, whatever you prefer. And tune in because y'all are in for a very special season. You're going to be bombarded with all kinds of paranormal and weird shit. I wish you all love, courage, pussy, money, weed, enlightenment. Namaste.